Hello, and welcome to Weekend Watchlist, a look at what's screening and streaming brought to you by The Letterboxd Show. I'm Mitchell, he's Slim. Hello. And together we'll dig through what's dropping this weekend, last weekend, recent trends on Letterboxd, and we'll also take a peek at our own watchlist all under 30 minutes, or Slim and I will be transported into the quantum realm, and you'll never hear from us again. <laughs> Good news, everyone. This week is so huge, it needed to be brought to you by our friends at Movie a curated streaming service showing exceptional films from around the globe. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. And with movie, every film is hand-selected. It's like your personal film festival streaming anytime, anywhere, and for a limited time only, you can try movie for free for 90 days at movie.com slash letterboxd. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash letterboxd. Yeah, I'm always on the lookout for what's coming to movie. They really curate. If you're looking for a sweet curated streaming service, I know people get on some of these streaming services. I won't name names. <laughs> and, you know, they're like, what, what's even available on here? I can't figure out what's available. Movie curates it for you beautifully. They just announced their March programming, which is going to be stacked with films like Please Baby Please with Andrea Riseborough, a Brian De Palma double bill of Obsession <gasps> and Body Double. You know I love Brian De Palma. And my beloved Paul Schrader, his sophomore feature Hardcore is going to be on there in March. But right now on Mubi, you can sign up with a sweet deal on Mubi and you can watch Park Chan-wook's Decision to Leave streaming exclusively on Mubi in the U.S. and plenty of other countries across the world. This is the latest from Park Chan-wook who directed Old Boy, The Handmaiden, we covered this film on Weekend Watch This when it came out last year and ended up being in my personal top 10 of last year. I wrote in my letterbox review that it's a Hitchcockian labyrinth that keeps you guessing until the end with its naughty, twisty narrative, pushing and pulling characters through relationships with each other and with the audience. But if you don't trust me, and why would you, Decision <laughs> to Leave was the 27th highest rated film of the entire year by the Letterboxd community. So clearly I am not alone on this one. It's insane. Gahee says in their Letterboxd review, Decision to Leave is a movie about love, crime, purpose, forgiveness, and suffering too. If it were only possible for all films to be so well thought out, we would live in an inexhaustible utopia where cinema would always be made with all the power that images should have. So check out Decision to Leave and many others, and you can try Mubi free for 90 days at Mubi.com slash Letterboxd, M-U-B-I. Get it. But Mitchell, I saw you gasp at my Futurama reference. It only gets better from here, okay? It only goes higher. We're going to talk about The Quiet Girl, Emily, Community Reviews, Tagged Weekend Watchlist, with that same community thought of last week's movies, and we'll shuffle our very own watchlist together forever. Well, first, let's let's talk about The Bear. You know, it's time. Not not the Hulu series, The Bear. We're talking about the, the one and only, The Cocaine Bear, directed by <laughs> Elizabeth Banks on 47,000 watchlists. Right now, the big, it's coming out wide in theaters. The film is focusing on an oddball group of cops, criminals, tourists, and teens converging in a Georgia forest where a 500-pound black bear goes on a murderous rampage after unintentionally ingesting cocaine. It did not do it on purpose. That will not stand up in a court of law. This was <laughs> unintentional, but Slim, what, what are your reads? I remember when the, the trailer for Cocaine Bear dropped and people were losing their minds on the internet. What do you think about this film? They're like jumping in their seats in the theater. They're climbing from the chandelier, <laughs> seeing Cocaine Bear trailer happening. I'll tell you what, my son was doing that same thing. We saw the Cocaine Bear trailer when we saw Megan and he like, look, he like angled. He's like, are we 
seeing Little Nightmare? <laughs> I don't know what to think. This just looks like a zany, kooky idea for a movie. It's got an amazing cast, but it looks like a great time. It's R-rated. I think there's some gore in there, but it's a horror comedy type thing. So, and it's directed by Elizabeth Banks. What's what's not to love? Yeah, I, I Elizabeth Banks has created a really interesting like career so far as a director. She started. Her feature debut was Pitch Perfect 2, which I think we all know is the best Pitch Perfect movie. I think we all agree on mm. that one. It's, you know, it amped up the the humor, the heart, the the scale of it. I love Pitch Perfect 2. And then, and then she went into, and she did the 2019 Charlie's Angels movie with Kristen Stewart in there. And I think that movie rules. I mm. did not have high expectations for that movie. And I went in there. And Elizabeth Banks kind of blew my mind. Kristen Stewart's great in it, but, you know, Elizabeth Banks, she has, like, such a wide career as an actor in comedy. And so I wasn't sure how she was going to do in that movie with navigating, like, the the action scenes, but they were effective. They were exciting. They were super rad. She's a great action director. And so, honestly, it doesn't surprise me that reviews are already dropping with people saying that Cocaine Bear really, like, navigates the tonal balance of the horror, the action, the comedy really well. I uh, want to read some some letterbox reviews for this one. Liam Conway says, I was hoping this movie would commit all the way to its premise, and I'm happy to report that it, all caps, does. <laughs> Elizabeth Banks pushes this script to its limit. <laughs> uh, Amy left a review. Elizabeth Banks choosing to play Jane at the start implies that this and Wet Hot American Summer are in the same universe. Wow. Amy well, might be onto something. Amy might be onto something, because I think... I think maybe, I'm getting word, our own Brian Formo had the chance to talk with Elizabeth Banks recently, and he actually asked her about the opening of Cocaine Bear with her playing Jane and using the same opening song for this as David Wayne used in Wet Hot American Summer. Maybe we have a clip of her talking about that? Jane, for me, you know, I I just knew I wanted to put the audience in the period, you know, the 1980s when the movie takes place and I needed a kick-ass song that sort of also conveyed the tone of the movie that we were going for. And I wanted the audience to be like really up as the movie started. And as I was putting together the list, that song came up on a list. I cut the opening to it and immediately knew that it had to be that song. And I called David Wayne who directed what had American summer. And I said, listen, you picked the greatest opening song and I'm fully going to steal it from you. I hope that's okay. And he said, go with God. And so we did. Go with God. Go with God to theaters this weekend to see Cocaine Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Two tickets, you and God. <laughs> Next on our list from Colm Barade, The Quiet Girl on 49,000 watch lists. This is in theaters. Synopsis, a quiet, neglected girl is sent away from her dysfunctional family to live with relatives for the summer. She blossoms in their care. But in this house where there are meant to be no secrets, she discovers one. This one, I think for folks that listen to Best in Show and maybe even previous four favorites episodes of the Letterbox Show, you have probably heard of The Quiet Girl over a long period of time. There was like some buzz on the podcast and you're hearing it now with award season. But what are you hearing about The Quiet Girl? Why should people maybe consider checking this out? Yeah, this is one that's like it's finally coming out uh, in the U.S. for people to see here. And it's one that has been really trending across Letterboxd for over a year now. Like we we were covering uh, the Berlinale Film Festival, which is going on right now. Last year's festival is where The Quiet Girl premiered. And it was already popping off. Kane on Letterboxd described it as empath- as having empathy in every frame 
And we had our correspondent, Alicia Haddock, speak with the film's director there for a feature for Journal, which is a gorgeous conversation that we'll link to in the show notes. But that was really, I mean, it really popped off there. We saw the the ratings, the reviews really going off on Letterboxd for it a year ago. And it really, that was the start of it just, you know, trending beautifully over the course of the entire year. Since then, it's been nominated for the Oscar for Best International Feature. It's up mm. for right now. It swept the 2022 Irish Film and Television Awards, where it won eight prizes, including Best Film, over competition like The Lost Daughter and Belfast. Sorry, Kenneth Branagh, not good enough. <laughs> and on our year in review for last year, it was the 20th highest rated film of 2022. So, I mean, this Sheesh. is one that has just been going off the charts. Molly left her review. Oh, this just wrecked me. Would confidently call this the most beautiful Irish movie of all time. Like, this had me choking on my tears over a Kimberly biscuit. I've never seen Irishness celebrated this ardently in cinema before, and it's so effing stunning. Yeah, this is a film, you know, one of the the key elements of this film that really makes it stand out is that it's it's made in the actual, like, Irish language, which is a really rare thing to see in cinema. And so it's not surprising to see a lot of the reviews calling out the, like, innate Irishness of this Theo in his letterbox review says that it's a deeply compassionate and moving film really snuck up on me. Irish filmmakers seem to specialize in tales of misery that burst into tales of hope and owe to affection and compassion. How the smallest kindness can be transformative for those who have never received any has me tearing up. Just writing about it made me feel a lot. Can't wait to feel it over and over again. So when you and God are done seeing Cocaine Bear, just maybe sneak into The Quiet Girl. Sneak well, in. buy tickets first, but then you can sneak Don't into The Quiet Girl. Don't you dare sneak into it. <laughs> we know you're quiet and you could, but <laughs> cough up that cash. Another another quiet lass of, of your is... <laughs> our entire Ireland demographic <laughs> vanishing before our eyes. <laughs> Is Emily Bronte, who is the the focal character in the film Emily, directed by Francis O'Connor, which is on twenty two thousand watch list. It's you and you and Mia talked about it a little bit at the at the top of last week's episode. It is going to be in wide wide in theaters this week. The synopsis for this one: the imagined life of one of the world's most famous authors, Emily Bronte, as she finds her voice and writes the literary classic Wuthering Heights. Explore the relationships that inspired her, her raw, passionate sisterhood with Charlotte and Anne, her first aching, forbidden love for white men, and her care for her maverick brother whom she idolizes. What's going on? What are the letterbox members saying about Emily's <sighs> that's, that's a good question because I have seen the trailer for this movie, not my vibe in particular, but there's a great review that we'll spotlight from Leah23 who wrote, it's for the autumnal girlies. It's for the dark academia girlies. It's for the red by Taylor Swift girlies. It's for the literature girlies. It's for the Little Women 2019 girlies. It's for the Halloween girlies, and it's for the Wuthering Heights girlies. It's for the costume girlies. It's for the hosier girlies. <laughs> it's for the nature girlies. It's for the Pride and Prejudice 2005 girlies. And it's for the tragic love girlies. So... I think that says it all right there. That's a lot of girlies that this film is for. Dora, Dora's review said that they were sobbing. Oh, how I love watching women when the hatred and disgust in their eyes slowly turn into love 
tenderness or even admiration when they try so hard yet can't maintain stable relationships with family members when they yearn to write to create when they simply don't know how to live their lives or when they seem fulfilled with life when they feel rage towards nothing at all but everything at the same time when they are so in love that they feel like they're about to die you'll always be remembered emily bronte cripes alive we have to. We have so much to get to this week. So much. Right, right before we get to our VOD callouts, maybe just really quick, we'll talk about God's Time. It's on one and a half thousand watch list, directed by Daniel and TB. Lots. I saw it this week. Uh, lots of fun, erratic energy, and it ends with one of my favorite shots in recent memory. But I think a lot of people have compared this to like a Safdie's movie, right, Mitchell? Yeah, I got, I got a lot of comparisons right out of the gate to Good Time, which is one of my favorite movies ever. And I mean, you can definitely, you saw it last night, you can definitely feel mm-hmm. that like Safdie's energy, but I think that it does still like, it, it feels very like in that same milieu while still creating its own, its own energy. And I think a lot of that comes from the characters who really stand out. And like, it, like it centers mainly on a trio of characters. And I, I saw it back at Tribeca last year and really dug it. And I looked back at my review to remind myself just kind of of my specific thoughts and feelings. And I caught my letterbox review, which highlights Liz Carabelle Sierra Mm -hmm. uh, in particular, her performance. I said, she is an absolute star. She owns the screen. Like she's been doing it her whole life. Can't believe this is her first on-screen role period. Really hope that the right people are seeing this one because she needs to be snatched up to be the next big thing. So super stoked. IFC has got it out. It's in theaters on VOD this weekend. People check out this movie. Liz Carabel Sierra, star, star is born. Yes, she is incredible in this movie. So VOD, we, we, we tried to call this out every week. There's a lot coming to VOD, video on demand. Knock at the Cabin is now available for rent and or purchase right now. It's happening. It's three weeks, the new normal, folks. <laughs> uh, Babylon is on Paramount+. Plus. Women Talking is available for purchase and the whale is also available for purchase. So the time is now. Yeah, once you start paying win. attention, they're just flooding in they're there. Fl- they're flooding into my inbox right I'm now. I'm knocking out that cabin at night, I'll tell you that much. Oy, caramba. Should we look back at last week? What's you, going you, on from last week's release? We'll spotlight last week's releases real quick. The average rating for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. It's going a little bit south. It's 2.8 average rating. People are still loving it, though. They're loving it in theaters. Return to Soul. Last week, we spotlit it. 3.5 average rating. Montana left a review. I really love this movie. I think this partially has to do with the character's struggle for identity, talking to family and being frustrated at the inability to truly communicate as all the words are going through translations. The feeling of disconnectedness with a culture you don't know anything about, but those around you trying to push their ideals and beliefs on you when you see them those couple times. So the positive buzz continues for that movie. Three and a half stars. Yeah, I I love that movie, Return to Soul. That's definitely one of my favorite movies I've seen in a while. So highly recommend people checking it out. I did want to like Ant Man. I want to I want to quickly jump back to Ant Man here Please. because I I usually I catch up on the Marvel movies like when they when they hit Disney Plus. Um, and Ant Man Ant Man's the the part of the franchise that I've always it's a little bit more interesting. I love the stuff that they do with size. And there's a review from Adam who spotlights, he says, there's a scene in this film where a giant Ant-Man storms a castle-like structure alongside a bunch of regular-sized misfits, and it reminded me of when the giant gingerbread man loses a gumdrop button in Shrek 2. And I mean, if that's not, like, honestly, <laughs> if that's not selling you on an Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania, I don't know what is. Like, I want to, that makes, that review, hearing that, makes me want to see this movie more. 
the Venn diagram of Shrek 2 fans and Quantumania fans, I feel like Just the overlap is gigantic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of an age, also sitting at a 3.5 average rating. Uh, so very high on, it's, it's at the Gemma line. We've talked about the Gemma line on this show, various shows. It's real. And yeah. It's there, and we've got a for people. If you want to check out more about Oven Age, we've got a gorgeous interview on Journal right now from uh, the writer John Ford with Goran Stalewski. That's it's really just a wonderful interview. Gives you a nice uh, understanding of where like Goran's coming from and the the queerness of the film and kind of navigating that element of figuring out who you are and who you want to be and the kind of people that you want in your life. It's really I d- definitely recommend people giving that a read. <laughs> Uh, in terms of things to spotlight from last week, is there anything you wanted to call out that maybe you were watching or maybe you were buying and not watching and you won't watch for another five years? I don't know what that's referencing. Um, <laughs> I did get the 4K Blu-ray Criterion Collection release of Richard Linklater's Days and Confused, which is out now, and Slim. I watched it. You'll be happy Whoa. to know. I watched it for work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I watched it because I I had the chance to sit down over Zoom and chat with Richard Linklater for half an hour about, you know, Days and Confused, kind of looking back on that one, but also reading him some letterboxed reviews of things people have said about Days and Confused and using those to ask him some questions about some of his own favorite movies. We talked about uh, both of us shared stories about Videodrome being a comfort movie for both Mm. of us. He told me that Julie Andrews and The Sound of Music was his first uh, cinematic movie crush. He told me stories about people getting high in theaters, watching Dazed and Confused, and that being the ultimate tribute for him. Like That's like the biggest standing ovation he could ever get is people smoking up while watching his movie in theaters. So that's coming out uh, on Journal in a couple of days. I you know, would love for people to give that a read. It's a very fun interview. He is the chillest dude I've ever met. Love your interviews on Journal, by the way. Can I just say, thank you on very this much. Podcast, wow! Can't wait to read that. What have you? What have you been watching, Slim? What we, are you we been are, watching? This episode is so jam packed. We might not even have time to talk about how I watched the first two Creed movies in advance of a screening for Creed Three. I just real quick, I'll say I love Creed One. That's yeah. a that's a five bang movie. Yeah, you are now finally allowed to live in the Philadelphia area because you <laughs> yeah, finally so watched Creed. Flynn at Letterbox was was hassling me that I had not seen Creed. Lo and behold, Flynn has not even seen Rocky. Uh So, Flynn, glass house, okay? (laughs) Glass letterboxed house. Um, But I greatly enjoyed it. So, we got to move on. We usually spotlight the top 50 of 2023. It's almost ready. It's almost time for the spotlight. It's not not time yet this year. It's still in the oven. But I've been getting DMs out the wazoo about the Letterboxd Hot 100. You know, the most watch-listed movies the last seven days. What's what's trending right now? And I saw some so- shocking changes this week. Last week, if you remember, Knock at the Cabin, Babylon, and The Whale in the top three. What do you think is number one this week, Mitchell? All right, great question. I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been analyzed, so I've been I've been trying to, it's very fascinating to see what initially I thought was going to move the needle on the Letterboxd Hot 100 is, is seeming to not be the case. You think that maybe it's around like trailers or something, right, but right. it's maybe it seems like it's more about what's what's releasing, what people are talking about mm. that just come out, maybe mm. some what's coming on VOD. Um Ooh. so my my theory right now is that. The one, number one right now is either 
Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania or maybe Infinity Pool. Oh, I need to loop in like the, is it Wheel of Fortune music? Like, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Infinity Pool is number one. I you are it. correct. I, I think we're starting to see the secret sauce of what makes a watch a top watch listed movie. So Infinity Pool hit VOD. That's number one at 25,000 watch lists. Um, the one other call out I had was that Knock at the Cabin completely left the top 10 Whoa. this past week. So I think it, it, it we can maybe prove this theory as like legit if Knock at the Cabin comes back since that's on VOD. That's right. Um, there was one other one. Ant-Man jumped into the list. So See? that that theatrical release put it back up the list. So I cracked it. To I figured it, it out. <laughs> I'm on to you, Letterbox watch listers. Mia, Mia got completely embarrassed last week with her <laughs> pick and Mitchell swooping in here after the data reveals itself. It's sickening. Uh, so let's move into our shuffle, our watch list section. What did you shuffle last week? What did you shuffle two weeks ago? Yeah. You had to watch in advance of this episode. I shuffled. I got two things. We did, you know, we did our special little, you talked about your twofer on last mm-hmm. week's episode with Mia. Mia Mia shuffled for her twofer for the next one. Mine, the first one that I got, the the organic, the classic, the OG shuffle was for the film The Hero, <gasps> Sayujit Ray film about a big movie star who boards a train to go and collect an award. And on the train, he ends up being spontaneously interviewed by a journalist. And we kind of take a tour through his past. And I think I really loved it. Um, I'm a huge fan of the director, the Apu trilogy mm-hmm. rules, the big city rules, Charulata rules. So I think, I mean, he, he, I've never seen a film by him that I haven't absolutely loved. I think that the hero specifically would make a perfect billing with uh, Ingmar Bergman's Wild Strawberries, oh. which is one of my favorite movies. But this one has the added benefit of being on a train, which I love me a train movie. Love trains. And I think that, <clears throat> you know, it's just kind of a, a fascinating look through this guy's past thinking of like triumphs, but mostly regrets and the scars that he kind of carries with him, which inform his relationship with the world. There's also some gorgeous, like like really striking dream sequences in the movie. There's the first dream sequence that we see is him sort of like walking through this almost like twilight zone, mm. like mountainous uh, area that's just like mountains of cash. And he's initially in this like state of like capitalist bliss. He loves being surrounded by all the money. And then these skeletal hands start coming out of the money and dragging him down. It's oh just God. really stunning. Um, it's Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a really wonderful movie. I highly recommend people check it out. I watched it on Criterion Blu-ray, but it is on the Criterion channel. <laughs> If people want to watch that on there. Um, the other one that I got was uh, Jim Jarmusch's Permanent Vacation. That was the oldest one on my watch mm-hmm. list. And it's his first feature. It is the only Jim Jarmusch movie that I hadn't seen before. So now I have, you know, collected. I've watched them all. Jim. He's finished. And it's, I mean, it's fine. It's good. It's it's very much like, like he shot it on 60 millimeter after he dropped out of film school. It was his first feature. And it feels a lot like one of those like 80s, like indie guy, like first feature where he's like figuring out like what his rhythms are, what he kind of wants to be doing. And so you can see, even if it's not like his best movie, you definitely see a lot of the pieces of what he would mm-hmm. end up doing. And I mean, he's one of my favorite directors. So seeing the like nascent stages of his like first step into figuring out his, his voice is definitely, I mean, worth checking out if you're a Jim Jarmusch fan, but what about you? I mean, you got a, you got a treat on your, on your (laughs) last shuffle. I got what I'd call a letterboxed movie, the lobster, (laughs) our boy Yorgos, 
uh, Colin Farrell, Rachel, Ben. Did this kick off the Colin resurgence? Is this the slow slow burn of Colin coming back into the mainstream and becoming I think an it, actor? I think it was a big one. I think like he started doing that run of like like this and like the Beguiled, and then he reunited with Yorgos for Killing of a Sacred Deer. And I think oh. people were like, "Oh, Colin just wants to be doing like weird shit now, right?" And like just being this like cool like working with auteurs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean now. It was it was all all gravy from there for Colin. Farrell. It was gravy. He was he's still on the gravy train. I I enjoyed this. This is a very dark dark comedy, mm-hmm. um, to the point where it's almost like just a weird drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed it. So it's about how singles. This is like a dystopian future where you need to you're taken to something called the hotel and you 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 have to find a partner in 45 days where they get turned into an animal of their choosing. I I wrote in like some of my notes I call this like an artsy comedy because it uh, maybe <laughs> like um just because it comes off that way so very dark. I had a great time. I really loved The Killing of a Sacred Deer mm-hmm. and this is still only the second movie of his that I've seen. Bro. I haven't seen The Favorite. You got to watch Dogtooth, man. Haven't seen Dogtooth. I mean, look at, he got his filmography, all these posters. Looks like he's like designing his own posters. They're all awesome. Yeah. Um. So I had fun. I'm glad to knock this one off my watch list. The Lobster Rules, I saw it in, at Rehoboth Beach in an empty movie theater, uh, completely alone. Nobody else wanted to take that journey with me, but it's a delight. <laughs> Would that be a great job? I mean, just working in a movie theater at the beach, you know, off season. Yeah. There's nobody coming in there. That's the thing. No, nobody around when when it's not, you know, the summer is packed. Don't go there. But right. outside of there, nobody's there. I saw Inherent Vice uh, like in January at that movie theater, <laughs> completely alone. <laughs> nobody there. Great movie. Great experience. <laughs> <laughs> so our community is also spotlighting their watch list reviews. They're tagging it weekend watch list. And of course, I saw Marcel the Shell with shoes on review. So you know we got to spotlight that. Starfall 555. Gonna go get on my whale jet ski now. K-bye, Marcel. I want to shout out uh, Trip Burton's review of Possession. Possession, back on Shudder. <gasps> You've been waiting for it. If you, uh, you know, Possession has been a hard movie to find sometimes. It is back on Shudder. Trip Burton watched it for the first time. Had his mind blown. Tripp's review says, Possession manages to weave in almost every anxiety that comes with marriage. Not being present enough, adultery, loss of intimacy, domestic boredom, chores, pregnancy, secrets, parenting, a wandering eye, and boil it down into two hours of horrific tension. It never lets up, with even the camera constantly panning around to unsettle you in what should be the most comfortable of settings, home. In the end, this is the marriage story meme as directed by Guillermo del Toro. And even if it takes itself a little too seriously, it is still a mesmerizing experience. What a review. What a review. Tell you what, you know what the perfect movie is to watch with your wife? Possession. Possession. (laughs) (laughs) You'll never fall more madly in love with your partner (laughs) than after reviewing a possession. (laughs) We're rapidly running out of time. We have to head to our own watch list. It's time to shuffle. Uh Uh-oh. Join us on this journey together. Head to your watch list. You can filter your service. Go to stream only. Make it easy for yourself. And then sort by shuffle. And that's the movie you have to watch this week. Mitchell, what did you get? All right. I got, so for my shuffle, I got Je Tu Il L, directed by Chantal Ackerman, oh. director of Sight and Sounds number one 
movie of all time, Jean Delman. My number two movie of all time, Jean Delman. <gasps> this film has been on my watches for a while. Very excited about it. The synopsis, a woman suffers a subdued psychological breakdown in the wake of a devastating breakup. So once again, I'm just getting very cheery, sunny, you know, movies that are going to feel really nice. Um, I I own it. I do. I do own this film. No. It is on the Criterion <laughs> channel. Uh, HBO Max, if anybody else wants to wants to check it out, I'll be watching in. it on my Blu-ray player. What about you, Slim? What'd you get? I have gotten one that I have seen the poster for for maybe since I started working at a video store. The Mission, 1986. Roland Joffe. Robert De Niro, Jeremy Irons, Liam Neeson. And the backdrop is Robert De Niro holding a sword pointing it at someone. When a Spanish Jesuit goes into the South American wilderness to build a mission in the hope of converting the Indians of the region, a slave hunter is converted and joins his mission. Have you ever seen this? Listen, buddy. <laughs> I recently purchased this film <laughs> on Blu-ray disc. Uh -huh. I have not seen it. It's on canopy. It's on canopy as well. Lo support your local library. That's how support I'm going to be watching library. it. I, for... All my life, I've been hearing the Neo Morricone score in the mission is maybe the greatest score of all time. So, excuse we'll, me, we'll be interested. Is that real? Yeah, you're that's hearing what I hear. that. That's what I hear. Okay. Thanks so much for listening to Weekend Watchlist, brought to you by the Letterbox Show. You can follow Mitchell, Mia, Slim. That's me and our HQ page on Letterboxd using the links in our episode notes. And if you had the time, maybe drop a rating on Spotify or Apple as it helps spread the word about the show. Thanks to our crew and thanks to Letterboxd member Trent Wallen for the theme music, Eyes On. Thanks to Jack for the facts and Sophie Shin for the episode transcript. And most of all, to you for listening. We Can Watch This is a Tape Deck production. This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast.